Well, good morning. It's good to be here with you guys today. If you were here back in uh, August, uh, you witnessed me preaching for the first time, and somehow they let me back. They let the worship guy back up to preach, so I'm, uh, I'm really excited to be here this morning, though. I, uh, yeah, it's a real privilege to share what God's been doing in my heart, and that's, that's really what I'm going to do this morning. I'll share my story and kind of the journey God's had me on um, really within the last couple years um, and it's something I want to invite you guys into. And, and uh, the Lord's been kind of calling me into just kind of a deeper faith and obedience and trust in him and, and prayer and boldness. And uh, when you think about faith, I think about some of the things that scripture says about faith and the implications they have for our lives. So Matthew 17 says, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to here and it'll move. Like, has anybody ever stopped to think about what that means? Has anybody seen a mountain? They don't just up and move, right? Or James 5 says, the prayer offered in faith can make a sick person well. So by the power of the Spirit, faith and prayer can lead to healing in our bodies. Or, or John 14 says, whoever has faith will do the works that I've been doing and will do even greater things. That's Jesus saying that. Has anybody read the Gospels lately and read the things that Jesus did? Like, that's, that's enormous for our lives, They're, uh, Galatians says, know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. It also says in Galatians, in Christ you are all children of God through faith. So faith works incredible miracles and faith heals physically and emotionally and faith gives us power to live a holy life and through faith we have salvation and we're adopted into the family of God. And I don't know about you, but for me, when I read stuff like that, something in me stirs and it's like, I want more of that in my life. Is anybody else there with me? And so that's what we're gonna dive into today. So I'm gonna pray and then we'll, we'll get into it. God, this morning, I think you have something that you wanna do in our hearts today that uh, could change us in enormous ways and could change our church and the world around us and Lord, I just pray that, man, I just pray that this would be more than just a pep talk. It'd be an invitation into a life that you've called us to here and now. And so Holy Spirit, that's work only you can do. So would you come and do that? We invite you in Jesus' name, amen. So if you have your Bibles, we're gonna start in Mark 9. And uh, just a little bit of background here. Uh, there's a guy, uh, a father who has a son who's been possessed by an evil spirit. Uh, from what we can tell, for the better part of his life. And um, he heard that the disciples were healing people, so he takes his son to, to Jesus' disciples, and they're unable to, to cast out this demon. And so he takes uh, his son to Jesus, and that's kind of where we pick up here. So verse 20 says, When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It's often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. I love Jesus' response. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. So place yourself in the father's shoes here. He's got this boy that's been demon-possessed, and like any parent would do in that situation, you go at whatever length you have to to find a solution, right? 
And so this is where Jesus steps in. And the thing that jumps out to me most is the father's doubt in this story. Look at it in verse 22. He says, if you can do anything, if you can do anything. So the father has a fundamental question about who Jesus is. And this question is actually the first question of faith that has to be settled in our hearts. Is Jesus actually who he says he is? Author N.T. Wright said this, faith is not a general religious attitude to life, but something much more specific. It's recognizing that Jesus possesses authority. And Jesus' claims about himself require that he has authority over all things, right? So if you look at scripture, we see Jesus has authority over creation. John 1 says that he created it all, but we also see that he calms storms, he calms the winds and the waves, and he walks on water, or he has authority over sickness and death. He heals count, countless people. He even raised people from the dead. He himself was raised from the dead. And he also has authority over spiritual realms. So we see that in casting out demons like, the, uh, like this story. So at this point, though, the father in this story simply doesn't know if he believes this to be true about Jesus. He wasn't convinced he was who he claimed to be. You know, if you... Um, met me 15 years ago, you likely wouldn't have picked me to be up here preaching. And, uh, yeah, and if, you, if you were a longtime eagle person and you knew me, then you certainly wouldn't have. Oh, you, you went early with that, Ted. Is that why everybody's laughing because of that? So I'm doing some international travel next year, and I've, I had to redo, renew my passport. Beyond the practical, like, getting that picture swapped out, um, yeah. You can insert whatever things about that kid that you might think, and they're probably all true, right? Um, but for real, don't judge. Um, I've asked Jana several times to grow the hair back out, and she's just not feeling it. It just seems so rock and roll, you know? But anyways, that kid is who my parents and Clint, the youth pastor at the time, and Pastor Brad and several, several other leaders around here. Scott, you were here. Scott's been here forever. Um, they kind of had to deal with me, and uh, I'll just say they've earned a lot of crowns in heaven, but... I remember distinctly, though, between, it was the summer between 7th and 8th grade, and uh, during a worship service at a summer camp, I remember sensing that the Lord was calling me into ministry as a middle schooler, and I, I didn't know what to do with it. I had no idea what that really meant, and uh, I think that what happened was, I think that seed that was planted in my heart began to be attacked right away, and it was that, it was that same summer that... Um, I was introduced to various substances and got into pornography and all these kind of things that kids get into, and it turned into a lifestyle that followed me for the next seven or eight years. And this created a tension for many years where I remembered what God had called me to back at camp. I remembered that, but I just didn't know how to be good enough to follow through on it. And I'd ask, for, I'd ask God for help. I'd, I'd do all I could to get it together. It was classic Romans 7 where Paul says stuff like, I have the desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. And see, I was a kid that I really liked what I read about Jesus. I really liked what I read about Jesus, but as much as I tried, I hadn't been able to change, so I doubted. And I thought Christians didn't really look much like Jesus and didn't seem all that exciting, so I doubted. And I questioned that Jesus' nature wasn't actually what Scripture claimed it would be because I'd asked him to change me and I never experienced it, so I doubted. And like the father with the demon-possessed boy, my, my first question for Jesus was, if you can actually do anything, like change me, start with me. I just didn't think he could do it. And maybe, maybe some of you here can relate with that. You come in and you go, I just don't know if I buy this whole thing. 
And uh, I like what Hunter said, kind of taking a step is, is maybe an indication of a seed of faith, but maybe you just don't buy it this morning. And I just wanna say, I just kind of acknowledge that that's okay. It's okay to come in and be like, I don't believe it, I don't buy it, doesn't make sense, it seems too uh, far out. Um, but I just wanna say here in this place, in this family, if that's you, this is a place you're welcome to do that. It's okay, like come and ask questions. Um, it, it's a place where you can do that. And, and I just wanna say like real clearly, you can belong and be part of this family before you believe everything that we believe. But here's my challenge to you if you find yourself in that place is I would say just doubt honestly. Doubt honestly. Look at what the father did in this story. He, he goes to Jesus and he says, help me overcome my unbelief. And the only way to doubt honestly is first to acknowledge that you have the doubt. Then you have to investigate the object of your doubt for answers. And doubt that never actively seeks truth, it's not actually doubt, it's apathy. One thing I love about Jesus is that he helps us along with our doubt, right? So when this guy says, help me with, unbe- with my unbelief, what's Jesus do? He goes and heals the kid, right? It helped my faith grow. So doubt honestly, don't shy away from it. This is a place you can do that. And I think Jesus will start to reveal himself to you. So we're gonna pick up, uh, we're gonna actually jump over to Matthew chapter eight for the next story of doubt and faith. We're starting verse one. It says, when Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I love his answer. He says, I am willing. He said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. So in the first story, Uh, the dad with the demon-possessed son, we see a guy who says, I don't know if I believe that you have the authority and the ability to pull this off. I don't know if you can actually do it. He questioned his authority and ability. Here, the man with leprosy knows that he can do it. Do you guys catch that? In verse verse two, he said, you can make me clean. This isn't a question of ability and authority. This This isn't a question. It's a question about his heart, about Jesus' heart. Are you willing? So when I graduated high school, uh, we'll fast forward a couple years of my life. I, I graduated with a shockingly unimpressive GPA. And uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't get into college anywhere. I mean, nowhere. And I'm, I'm not convinced high school would have taken me back. But I was lonely because all my friends went to college. And my habits and sins kind of had me real entrenched in this bondage. And, man, I just felt happier if I didn't have to think about where I was at soberly. And uh, so my parents kindly encouraged me to leave their house after, we grad- after I graduated. And... Uh, I moved to Bloomington, which is where every troubled teen should go to find Jesus. And uh, I, found a, yeah, I found a construction job and packed all my belongings into this old 93 Buick LeSabre and uh, moved into an apartment that might have been the shadiest place I've spent much time. And uh, I didn't make it there long, though, because I spent every dime I had on, on my habits. And uh, the only food I had, uh, mom sent me with a box of, like, fruit cocktail cans and cream corn and beans. That's, that was what I ate. And one day, I ended up running out of gas on the way to work and because uh, I didn't have any money. And, and I got fired from my job. And I remember that night well. It was uh, the first night I went to bed sober in quite some time. And um, what happened was I didn't sleep at all, and I began talking to God again. And uh, I was super angry. I felt, like, I felt like I'd asked him over and over to change me. I felt like I'd screwed it up so much, and I was too far gone to be used, and Based on my experiences with God, I didn't think he was willing to change me. 
Well, one of my best friends, uh, Alex, came down and visited me one day. He, he wasn't really aware of the situation, and, and we've talked since, and he just said he was really caught off guard by how bad it was and how bad my condition was. And I think, I don't actually know, I think he left and called Clint, the youth pastor, I think, and, and said, hey, he needs to get out of there. So Clint calls me later on and says, hey, I want you to come move in with me and Jamie, his wife. And initially I was like, I'm not, I can't do that. I'm not, I'm not, I don't really have intentions of getting it together and um, wasn't really planning to change. And he insisted, so uh, I said, all right, I'll do it. And he just put one requirement on was that I had to be at dinner every night. And so initially I didn't change, but I'd show up to dinner because like the rallies commercial says, you have to eat. And so um, Clinton, Jamie and I would sit and we'd talk. And I'd fire all these questions at him, be like, who is God and is he actually good? And why didn't he step in and change me before I went and screwed up my life? And finally, Clint just said to me, man, he's Australian. He probably actually said mate, but um, he said, we're not, so we'll say man. He said, man, uh, you just need to know Jesus. You just need to know Jesus. You can go rounds with all these big questions, but to actually know the heart of God, you have to look at Jesus. And I bit that bait. Remember, I like Jesus. So uh, over the next several months, I only read the Gospels. And what happened was I began to know Jesus through these stories, and ultimately, I began to understand God's heart. I read accounts like, like Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well. This lady, is a, she's an outcast socially. She's an adulterer. Um, and Jesus goes and sits down with her and, and loves her well and listens to her. And the crazy thing is he, he like gives her this new revelation about what true worship is gonna look like to this woman who's an outcast. Or I read parables like the prodigal son and this, this kid wishes that his dad was dead. That's what happens when you ask for an inheritance before your parents are actually dead. He wishes he was dead, asks for an inherit his inheritance, goes and blows it all. And in the story, the father represents God. And what happens is that this kid runs out of money, he comes home, and his father, who's a real noble man, becomes undignified and runs after him. He welcomes him home. He throws a party for him. I read the parable of the Good Samaritan where Jesus breaks down the social and racial and stereotypical divides and he challenged his followers to show compassion to the oppressed and the overlooked in the world. And it doesn't even, it doesn't even begin to crack the surface of all the stuff that Jesus said. And what happened was my heart began to connect with God's heart. I, I began to understand his heart. I began to surrender the need to answer all these questions and I began to pursue his heart and I fell in love with Jesus again. So looking back at Matthew 8, I love Jesus' response to the man with leprosy. He simply said, I am willing, then he healed me. And as I pursued Jesus, my confidence in his heart that he is willing began to change. And I would just say, if you're here today and you're questioning God's heart towards you, and uh, maybe it's because of circumstances in your life, you're, you've experienced something you could have never imagined, or you look at the things in the world and and you just don't know how God can be good. I think my challenge is similar to the challenge that Clint gave me is to pursue God's heart for yourself. Pursue his heart for yourself. And I need to just pause and acknowledge the potential elephant in the room. Um, if God has the authority and he is willing to change things and to heal things that are broken, why does he allow so much bad stuff to happen, right? It's kind of that big question. <clears throat> And this is something that I've had to work through again within the last couple of years. Excuse me. 
um, <clears throat> so Jana's dad, <clears throat> my father-in-law, passed away. Man, I rehearsed this a dozen times. <clears throat> about a year and a half ago. And that's him right there. He sat well, about where Sherry's at. <laughs> and um, that was his posture, right? He always had one hand raised. Sometimes he had this, like, fist of agreement, I always call it. Like, he did that kind of thing. <clears throat> and that's him during a baptism service about a month before he passed. And <clears throat> Janet tells me, I love this story. They used to go to, a, like, I think it was a little Baptist church, maybe. And uh, Fred led the choir, and he used to, like, direct the choir with his middle finger. And I kind, of, I kind of always wished he'd do that here. I just thought it'd be hilarious, but I never saw it. Anyways, I've, I've struggled a lot with why God would take Fred. He wasn't an old man, and in my opinion, he had a, life, a lot of life left to live, and he loved God, and he loved his family, and he was kind to people. And I still struggle with the fact that Janet, that, that he doesn't get to see how amazing of a mom Janet is or He didn't get to watch, her, watch the grandkids grow up and do recitals and sporting events and whatever, get married, everything that goes in between, right? I've struggled with the impact it's had on Jana and Sherry and Kyle and, and Garrett and Becca and the rest of the family, and I just wrestle with God about it. It doesn't make sense. And kind of like the guy with leprosy, I've just had to go back to God and be like, man, what's your heart in all this? I just don't get it. I've had to return to that place of, pursuing God's heart for myself. And for me, I, I found myself in the Psalms a lot. And uh, Psalm 34, is, uh, 17 and 18 is one that I've kind of had to internalize. It says, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And, and for me, I've had to go back to this verse many times um, and walk in faithfulness, trusting that God hears our cries, that he sees us, that he delivers us, that he saves us. And I just don't, like if you ask me, I don't have any answers about why God took Fred. I don't know. I don't know that we'll ever know, but frankly, it still, it still just kind of sucks. But the longer I walk with Jesus, the more I'm able to trust that he's good. I think we need to become people that continue to pursue God's heart for ourselves even when life circumstances don't reflect Jesus' statement, I am willing. Let's move on to this third example of faith. We're gonna continue in Matthew 8, starting in verse five. So same chapter, different interaction with Jesus. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed. He's suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? I love Jesus' response there. I'm like, yes, come. But the centurion says, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority and with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Jump down to 13. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. 
So this man understands two things about Jesus. First, he understands that he has the authority and the ability to do something about the situation. Second, he understands that Jesus' heart is turned towards him in love. And so what's he do? He, he goes at him and just asks boldly. It's like my four-year-old Liza. There's uh, a picture of Liza. Yeah. There's so much attitude in that little picture. Uh, she's so cute. But so Liza, she must think that she's royalty, right? So at any given time of the night, whenever her royal tummy desires, she screams milk at the top of her lungs. One word, one command, milk. So I liken her voice. I spent a lot of time thinking about this. These are, I think, the four most annoying voices that God made. You might throw Donald Trump in the mix. I don't know. But we've got Roseanne, Lucille Ball, the nanny. I don't know her name, actually. And then Ben Stein. I just think they're awful voices. So if you take that voice, add it to a screaming goat. Has anybody ever heard a goat scream? Any, nobody? You need to go to Hunter and Jen's house. It's, it's terrifying. So you add those two together and you get Liza's milk voice, right? So anyways, uh, I'm really terrified of 16-year-old version of that. But, um, but you know what she understands that the centurion understands? She understands that my heart to her as a father is like I'm willing I want her royal tummy to be content whenever she desires it to be. It's probably, this is probably a parenting topic that's different, but uh, she knows that I have the authority and the ability to drag myself out of bed and go get her some milk. And so she asks boldly. She just approaches, approaches me, her father, and just says, hey, I need some milk, like those guys. But Jesus responded to the military leader because he had faith that Jesus had authority and the desire to do something about the situation. And if you believe in Jesus' authority, and as a desire to move in your life, I think my challenge for you today is to begin to, to pray boldly and live obediently. And I just want to ask this morning, what are you praying for? What are you praying for? And I'll, I'll even take a step back and just ask, are you praying? Is prayer a part of your daily life? And, and as followers of Jesus, this isn't reserved for pastors and missionaries. This is everyday life to be people of prayer. And if we know that Jesus has the ability and the authority, uh, what are how should we respond to statements Jesus makes like uh, Matthew 7 where he says, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be opened. Or Matthew 18, he says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose or whatever you free on earth will be loosed in heaven. How do we respond to that? And I believe the right response is to sacrifice some things in our life and make space to seek and prioritize God's heart and purposes in the world. Can you imagine what might happen in our lives and here at Eagle Church and in our community and around the nations if we became a church full of people who were marked by bold, faith-filled prayer? And I believe God wants to pour out his spirit and bring awakening to Zionsville and Whitestown and Thorntown and Lebanon and Avon and Brownsburg and Carmel and Indianapolis and wherever else you're from in here. I believe he wants to pour out his spirit and I believe he wants to do it and use you right where you're at. But what's it gonna take for that to happen? I think it's gonna take a bunch of us coming together, praying boldly and living obediently. It's gonna take us becoming a community and get this, that doesn't come together because of our preferred style or standard of worship experience. But instead we come together because we desire to be in God's presence with God's people, seeking God's heart and purposes in the world around us. That's what it's gonna take. And this morning, I just want to say, don't downplay your role. You may or may not be called to go to a third world country or a third world culture. 
But I want you to hear this as a follower of Jesus. You are called. You are called to the mission of your family, your workplace, your neighborhood, your school. You are called to prioritize the kingdom of God in your time and resources and relationships right where you're at. And I'll be honest, uh, for me, it's, it's easier for me to get up here and preach a sermon or lead worship uh, in this context, because we're all here kind of for the express purpose of knowing Jesus, right? It's easy to talk about Jesus here. The hardest obedience for me right now is actually going to people outside the walls of the church and having spiritual conversations. The hardest obedience for me is to, to go out of my way to express Christ's love in a world that desperately needs it. And the Lord's called me to kind of a, a deeper and more faithful prayer. And what I keep hearing from, is, from him is it starts right where you're at. That's the first step. It starts with your family and, and your neighbors and those around you. Will you go? So let's be people of bold prayer and obedient living because I believe God is gonna move when that becomes the fabric and priority of our lives. This is your calling and this is my calling. This morning, we're gonna do something that may be a little bit uncomfortable. Worship team, you guys can actually uh, come on back up. Um, I think there's a wide spectrum of faith journeys here this morning, right? So on, on the one hand, we talked about people that come in who just doubt. And I just wanna reiterate this morning, like this is a place where you can doubt. You are welcome to do that here. And uh, you can belong to this family before you buy into everything that we believe. And I just wanna encourage you to, again, doubt honestly. Doubt honestly. And, um, you know, if the claims of Jesus are true, right, then on one hand, like, the implications are too big. But on the other side, like, the invitation is too good in this life just to ignore it. So doubt honestly. And I think for many of you, and this is where I would fall, like, we're kind of in this journey of faith. And uh, this morning, we're gonna, I'm gonna invite you to stand if you find yourself in anywhere in this spectrum of faith, right? So we're gonna stand and it's basically just taking a step saying, I'm gonna keep moving. I'm gonna take the next step that God's asking me to. And so maybe for you, it's just getting in the game. It's like, man, the, the, the things that are on God's heart haven't been a real priority to you. And maybe today you're just gonna stand and say, you know what, I just wanna get engaged with what God wants to do through my life and in the world. Or maybe... Uh, maybe for you, it's pursuing God's heart for yourself. Like we talked about the things in life, the circumstances, our experiences, they're not consistent with Jesus' statement, I am willing. So maybe for you, standing up is just saying, I'm gonna take a step of faith, trusting that God is good even when I don't see it. Maybe it's um, saying, all right, I'm gonna get involved and I'm gonna start praying boldly and living obediently. And maybe that step of obedience is something specific this morning. Maybe God's asking you, we've got a Kenya trip coming up in, in January. You're gonna be hearing about a lot of opportunities in 2018 in the next few weeks. Maybe it's saying yes to go on a mission trip. Maybe it's uh, getting involved with Teen Challenge or Safe Families or um, you know, helping do something about the orphan care uh, problems we have. Or maybe it's joining City Life and being a mentor. Whatever it is, it could be discipling your kids could be loving your spouse a little bit. Whatever it is, there's a specific next step of faith that you're saying, I'm gonna take that step. And standing today is a commitment to do that, whatever that looks like for you. And I love what Eric said last week about all the excuses, right? Uh, I find myself doing that. Oh, like they don't, they don't care about spiritual things. I'm not gonna talk to them, right? Eric had all those excuses. And this morning, I just wanna encourage you to stand and take a step saying, I'm gonna lay the excuses down because God wants to use you right where you're at. And he can and he will use you. So if you find yourself on any 
spot in that spectrum, I want to invite you to stand right now. So, first of all, I just want you to be encouraged, right? Be encouraged. Like, look around. Let's be awkward for a sec. Look around. Like, look at each other. Are there people standing up around you that you've been standing around for years, maybe? Are there people standing around you that you don't recognize them? You don't see their, you see their face, and you're like, I don't know who that is. I want to encourage you guys to take one step then, right? So it's easy to stand and say, yeah, that's me. Take a step and talk to somebody. Like this is, this is what a community of faith looks like. We are all in this journey of trying to pursue God a little bit more and we find ourselves at different places, but I want you to talk to somebody. Don't just stand and, and leave it there. Talk to somebody and ask them, hey, what's God doing in your life? Because that's when I think we begin to encourage each other and I think that faith really begins to grow and we see, man, God's moving here. And I'm just so encouraged by this. I didn't know if, I thought I'd have to work through this with one person standing, but... I'm really encouraged by this this morning. So we're gonna continue worshiping and we're gonna sing a song we did last week. And it's just a prayer. It's basically a prayer saying, just give me faith, God, give me faith. And so just take this time and, and, and make that the prayer of your hearts that, that God would give you faith and, and that he'd give you boldness to take these steps. Let me pray and we'll get back into worship. Jesus, would you look at all of us standing here? We stand because we want to see you glorified in our lives. That's our desire. And sometimes it's hard to take these steps in this life. It's hard to trust you when our circumstances don't back up what, what your word says about you. But this morning, Lord, see us. We are standing and saying, here we are. We want to be used by you. We want to know you more. Like we sang earlier, we want heaven to come and invade this place. Do whatever you want to do here. Use us. So would you give us faith? Like the Father asked, help us in our unbelief. We want to move forward with you. We want to know you and see you move in mighty ways here. We just accept the invitation to go. We obey the command. And now we worship you and bless your name. You are worthy of our praise.